From the Colorado Business Roundtable Studios, this is News Talk 710, KNUS, Denver. Peter Boyles, your voice against the concrete jungle on News Talk 710, KNUS. Good morning, everyone. It's a Wednesday morning. It's really getting nasty outside. Jan 4, 2017. I'm Peter Boyles. Good to have everyone here. Weather brought to you by Colorado Flat Fee Realty. You pay less and you keep more. Colorado Flat Fee Realty.com. Here we go. It says 22 will be the high. I doubt that. I don't think we'll see 22. But 8 degrees tonight, I think, will drop below that. Tomorrow, Thursday, 10 above, 2 below, 22 above Friday, and 5 below, and the beat goes on. 710 KNUS, we are Denver's talk station. Without further ado, I'm a huge fan, the Hadith, the Sunnah of Muhammad. Please say good morning and welcome back to 710 KNUS. He's a Ph.D. His name is Bill Warner, W-A-R-N-E-R. He's written many, many books. He teaches. And he also, I found out, I read, probably read your bio, uh, you... Your Ph.D. is in physics and also mathematics. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, I could study the rest of my life. <laughs> I couldn't get an undergraduate degree in math or physics, so i got to come out of the box by saying I never knew that all the times we've talked, and I thought you were, you know, just a, a historian or a philosophy Ph.D., and you're mere math and, and physics. That's brilliant. So welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Good morning, sir. Happy New Year to you, and good morning to you as well. Yeah, by it. the way, with regards to what I studied, we all do what is easy for us. For instance, I do not play piano because playing piano is very hard. Then you ought to try radio, because <laughs> 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 you're good at that. Um, I'm sitting with a good friend of mine who is a four-tour veteran of Iraq. We're talking about this new book, and I'm almost done with it, entitled Interrogating the President. It's John Nixon's book about Saddam. Have you seen it, Doctor? I have not. Brilliant. If you do yourself a favor, read this book. It's as, I mean, I've read so many of these books, you know, Bush at War and Days of Fire and Assassin's Gate, and the list goes on. But this is a really interesting um, look at Saddam. And Saddam's warnings are about what? About Islam. He warns them. Well, now, you know, we've learned something interesting about Islam and how we treat dictators in Islamic lands. Uh, it turns out that I think uh, Iraq with Saddam was better for the world than uh, Iraq without Saddam. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And so does John Nixon, and so does any other reasonable person. And we found the same thing true in when we killed Gaddafi, or we played a part in having him killed. We played the same thing with uh, Mubarak in Egypt. I mean... Uh, we may not want these people to run our country, but they seem to do a better job of running the country than the Muslim Brotherhood and the Sharia. You know what's fascinating to me in, in this book, and they, he's the guy, the chief interrogator on Saddam, and Saddam tells him, okay, go ahead and run it. And he talks, and I want to come back to the Shia-Sunni split into the Deeth and the life of the prophet, which is why you're on the show. But Saddam says to them, to them go ahead and run it, and I'll see what happens. Right. He, he know, yeah, he knows. Well, it turned out it took a heavy hand to keep, uh, if we can call it peace. Now, if you're a Kurd in Iraq, you have your own opinion about Saddam, but he was able to keep the lid on, and when we came in and took the lid off, everything that was in the pot began yeah. to boil. There's an interesting part, too, and I'm reading a book entitled After the Sword about the split Sunni-Shia split, but they, and Saddam, they keep coming back, and he's talking about people that he... And this this guy who writes this book is very he's a he's a good Iraqi historian or Mesopotamian historian, and he keeps bringing up Saladin, Saladin, and Saddam 
fancies himself Salad, that he's a new yes. Saladin. I didn't know that Saladin was a Kurd. Did you know that? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. When Saddam he does, was a, uh, he was a uh, he was a political genius. Oh, yeah. Saladin was because the Muslims were highly divided amongst many things, and he was able to bring them together. But the Arabs always held his Kurdishness against him. Yeah. And he's the guy that that confronts Richard in Jerusalem. And, you know, he's this brilliant character, and he is best seen, I think, and I'm, you know, I'm reading his, I'm, I'm now going to read his life next, but I didn't know he was a Kurd. Yep. By the way, the Kurds have gotten the shaft oh. from the Arabs, oh. they've gotten the shaft Russians. from the Turks, they've gotten the shafts from the Persians, they've gotten the shaft by every Muslim mm-hmm. group, and yet they continue to be Muslims, it's peculiar. Yeah, what, is, what is their faith? They are, they, are, they are Sunni Muslims, right? Correct. Yeah, they used to be Zoroastrians. Yeah, Zoroastrians. Which, that's right. Which, which let me let me give a little pitch for the Zoroastrians here. They were a people like the Armenians mm-hmm. who did not get a fair shake in history. Well, there was a, there was a guy Zoroastrian, right? The the Zoroastrians were the first to have prophets, a day of judgment, heaven and hell. Yeah. Uh, they were they were trendsetters, shall we say? But no one gives them any credit. But wasn't there really a real guy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he somewhat um, like other real people, somewhat vague in the actual mm-hmm. historical details. But somebody had to get it started. Yeah. And he said much of the things that the Christians then say years later, right? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, even the return after death, I thought. Oh, oh angels were the first. Yeah, the Zoroastrians right. were the first to have the concept of angels, judgment day, heaven and hell, yeah. prophets. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, you you actually see that. In when you read uh, the history of you know the Egyptians, there's a, a pharaoh and I, his name slips me that shows up and he comes up with the idea of one god, and then of course he gets thrown back. And the same thing is true. Is it Caliglia that that wrecks the entire Roman um, setup as well and, and brings there's, there's, there's a Claudius, there's a Claudius. He brings an army. Yeah. So I mean, it's happened so many times. And, By the way, you you conduct a very high level discussion for talk radio. Well, I have people like you. I always say that jockeys are only as good as their horses, Doctor. <laughs> yeah, but at least you have an interest. Huge interest. Question. Huge interest. I mean, I, I, I think this is, starting 15 years ago, how stupid I am when it comes to that part of the world and about the faith and everything that comes with it. I was telling the audience and telling, telling George, and George and I, who's sitting in the studio, we, we were in Egypt together six, seven months ago. And I have a bunch of tattoos. And I thought, and I was told before we went that it's, it's not something that Islam or the culture likes is tattoos. And I had to wear shirts the whole time, long sleeve shirts. Right. So I'm reading this book, and, and I keep coming back to it with apologies. But they bring this guy in. He's an expert on Saddam. He's never met Saddam. They come and get him and say, we got Saddam, but we're not sure it's him. And he knows Saddam is tattooed. With tri- really? Yeah, tr- I swear to you. And I was blown by it. I had to go read a section three times. I did not know that. No, I did not either. And he's, he has tribal tattoos on the inside of his right wrist. And then he has between his finger and his thumb, like the old Pachuco cross, he's got some markings. And they mean who they are. And the way that Nixon explains it is, before you get into a fight, you know who this guy is. And one of the worst things you can do, especially he's a young kid in Trakit, in Trakit that if you get into the wrong family fight, you're a dead man. So they know each other. And it's a wonderful, I mean, I, I thought that having a tattoo, Semites in general don't want tattooing. 
And here's Saddam. He had tattoos. So that was one of the ways when Nixon goes in to see him, he knows because there were so many body doubles, he knows that's Saddam because of the ink. And, and Saddam had the ink. Saddam had the tribal ink <clears throat> of his family. You know, there's another people who wear tribal ink that we need to talk about, and those are the Coptic Christians Absolutely. in Egypt. Uh, and we have, my, my colleague and I, George, are here together. We visited Coptics. We were with Coptics, and after we left, uh, revenge was taken on the Coptics when we left. No. I swear. I bring, him, I bring my colleague on, my friend on. He'll tell the story. And they'll introduce yourselves. George, uh, this is a really fine young man. He's four tours in Iraq, um, infantry officer, ran for Congress here. We traveled in the Middle East together. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, George, introduce yourself, if you would, and this is uh, Dr. Warner. A pleasure, Doctor. And I was about to, uh, I was about to comment. Yeah. The Kurds will be the first to tell you that Saladin was Kurdish. Yeah, see, and I didn't know that <laughs> until my reading, and it's, uh, Saladin was a Kurd. Yeah. I didn't know that. And so, anyhow... Um, you guys were going to exchange some about the Coptics when we visited the Coptics, if you tell Doc. Yeah, we, so we, we came up with this idea. We wanted to go to Egypt. We wanted to visit the families of the 21 Christians who were martyred by ISIS uh. on that beach in Libya, which we were able to do. And that, that trip down to Salamut, so it's south of, the, south of Cairo on the Nile, and uh, Pope Tawadros of the Coptic Church was the one who arranged us arranged for us a trip out through the desert down to Salamut they brought us into the compound there where the bishop was we were able to meet with the families we were able to meet with the bishop and then we left that same day now we heard about 10 days two weeks yeah. later that the nephew of the bishop was tortured and murdered it's a brother it's a brotherhood stronghold doctor uh, and in a from what we understand, it is the Muslim Brotherhood exacting revenge for the purpose of controlling the narrative. They don't want outsiders, media, coming in, reporting on what's going on, and then taking that to the outside world because they don't want the outside world to know, to know things that they themselves do not feed to them. It was There were three of us and a Maronite priest, and um, there was some interesting moments on that trip. By the way, yes, uh, they don't really have to do too much to cover it up. I'm going to be speak harshly here. I find I condemn for years how Christians in America ignore the sufferings of the Christians in oh, the Middle East. Absolutely, <laughs> and uh, and and the and the cops do not get justice. We have religious groups here in America who, for the purpose of profit, will bring in Muslim refugees. And yet they did not put any pressure on the government to bring in Christian refugees. I spent part of New Year, I spent part of Christmas Eve with, um, and it's heartbreaking. These are refugees, and they're and they're Maronites, and they're Coptics, and they're Alawis, and there's all these different significant parts of Christianity. And they're at the home of a friend, and they were making presents for the kids. They all celebrate Christmas, and you know they're Catholics is who they are. They're you know they're they're right yeah. And, and I think Coptic just means Egyptian, or the Egyptian church. Yes, that's you know, what they call themselves. They call themselves cops. And my, my, my colleague, my friend George, knows these Coptics here in town quite well. I do, and just to piggyback on that last statement, Doctor, that you made, the greatest failing of American Christendom yeah. is the fact that they have not stood up in one united voice for so, their fellow yeah believers in Christ. Well, but the political correctness, and I'll turn it back to the political correctness forbids mainstream Protestant faith or the Catholic, the Catholic Church. I call him Pope Che, doctor. 
um, the new the new pope, Pope Francis. I call Pope Che. Uh, what uh, are, what's the biggest threat? Global warming. What kind of a pope is this guy? He's not Urban the Second, is he? The uh, we I weep for the for the church today yeah. in the sense of they are commanded by their own scriptures to tend for the persecuted Christians. They are commanded and told they will be judged Mm -hmm. as Christians on how well they treated the persecuted. And they ignore them. Of course. Because political correct, because this is a religion of peace, thus said George Bush. And um, the the sadness, and the more I read, and I listen to George, and I made some trips, the more I read and more I listen to people like you and others and read works and books, the more I realize that George, well, I don't even want to say George Bush anymore because I despise him so much, but these people didn't have a clue. They had no idea. And in this height of this interrogation, Saddam with a smirk says, try and run it. See what happens. And he's already, they're already, and they're giving them names, they're calling them insurgents, and, and, and they're Shia. And they're Shia militias. Right out, of, right out of Baghdad. They're right out of, you know, and they have no idea what to do, no clue, but so many kids are getting hurt in the money, $3 trillion plus growing every day. Uh, Dr. Warner, how do you get out of this? Well, I think we need to address the ignorance that is behind all of the suffering because we have fought a war in Afghanistan and Iraq, and we have absolutely refused. As a matter of fact, it's almost a crime to even discuss, well, exactly what is the nature of the enemy and who mm-hmm. is the enemy. Yeah. And don't tell me it's the Taliban. No, I agree. So we have been dedicated to the proposition that we will not ask the question, who is the enemy, yeah. because we don't want to know the answer. Or and because as a result, pl- blood and treasure, yeah. trillions of dollars yes. are being spent. I agree. And we've only made things worse. Made th- Here's one. And I didn't realize, again, I'm back to reading, that um, there was a movement to bring Saddam back and put him on trial in the United States, and the Bush administration killed it. Six, eight months, ten months into this. Because they don't, they don't, uh, hang Saddam until two years in captivity. And I got a question for you that I get to ask people that I respect. You got two different guys. Why, if you had Nuremberg trials, why wasn't Saddam Hussein brought back to New York? George Bush said he did that horrible day. And then when they got Osama in that building in, in Abbottabad, they could have thrown stun grenades in there, but they were sent Geronimo to kill him. Why wasn't Osama captured alive and brought back and put on trial for 9-11? Why wasn't why wasn't Saddam brought back and put on trial in New York for what he did? Doctor? I don't think we wanted to know the answers that would come without asking, come by asking questions in a public trial. But, but why not? I mean, this is George Bush, Dick Cheney, Paul Wolfowitz, Scooter Libby. Remember, get, these are the same men who led us down the path of the Islam as a religion of peace. Well, absolutely. That's my question. George? Man. Yeah. No, the answer is, in my mind, quite simple. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so enthusiastic about Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and especially General Flynn. Because the answer is obvious. It is, it is money, it is oil, it is the Gulf countries. Their promotion of Wahhabism and those mm-hmm. Salafist sects of Islam is what's driving the inspiration Absolutely. and encouragement of the attacks, of the genocide, of all of these malicious, terrible things. However, Saudi Arabia is the number one purchaser of security assistance in the world. We have tremendously large contracts with Saudi Arabia and everything from oil to defense. We will not call evil 
by its name because it's bad for business. Well, it's also politically incorrect. It's politically incorrect. I, there, there's a point in this book and for with the of repeating myself, and Saddam tells these guys when nine, he actually sees nine eleven happen on TV. He's told about it. He's with Tarek Aziz and that all those henchmen. Tarek Aziz, by the way, let me add, was a Christian. the uh, foreign a minister, and he was Christian. He's a Christian. That's right. He's a Christian, or was a Christian. And in this moment, Saddam is elated because he says, now they will know. Now you will know what I've been fighting. Now you will know. And he is elated because he says, now Bush will get off my rear end, and together we can, like we were when we fought Ayatollah, and we can go back after these fill-in-the-blanks, and of course... He gets blamed for it. But Saddam underestimated the influence that the money buys in the United the, States. Saudi Arabians. He knows, it's, he knows it's the Wahhabs. Yes. Who, by the way, we have a law firm here, Dr. Brownstein Farber. It's a very, very, very most powerful law firm and, and actually one of the top ones in the United States and certainly one here. They are taking $100,000 a month from the Saudis to stop JASA. And Say that again. Well, across the, across the country right now, the Podesta's group and Patton Bog and... Brownstein, Farber, and these guys are getting paid enormous amounts of money by the Saudi Arabian government to block JASA, which is the right for people on that. Oh, term. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, they're so, what do you say to a law firm that takes 100 G's a month blood money from these guys? I mean, it's horrible. And, and of course, I've told this story to the Denver Post three times, and they've never written the story. These guys are on the take. 100 grand a month. And they're, they're taking blood money from Saudi Arabia. Fair enough? You mean they're they're compromising their morals because of I, their I, money? I, first of all, you're <laughs> assuming they have morals. Number two, they're taking <laughs> they're taking a hundred thousand dollars a month to block JASA. I want to do this. I, I want I really like while you're on the show with George here. I want to come back and have you tell me because I'm in this moment right now where the Shia Sunni split. Uh, Wahhabs have not arrived, obviously, but. The, the, and there are these guys, and I've been talking about them, the, and the word means masters in, in, in Arabic. It's, is it Saidi? Saidis. Or Saeed. Saidi. Sa, is it Saidi? Saidi. Saidi. And they are the masters, and they trace themselves back to the prophet. Can you pick it up there on the other side, Doc? The book we'll is... We'll wait for the other side and pick uh, it up. Here we are, sir. The Hadith. And um, this is why this guy should be the head of the Republican Party, by the way, as well.